Good morning. Good morning. We are celebrating the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. And in my time with you, I've preached on this four times because uh, it happens every year. And uh, looking back, I know I've used very large theological explanations, large theological words. Uh, and those are fine, but uh, I kind of took to heart um, the gospel where Jesus says, I have more to tell you, but you can't bear it anymore. You can't take anymore. So I thought, okay, Father, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, so um, I thought I would go a little bit of a different approach to it. But uh, nonetheless, a priest must um, uh, uh, open up the scriptures a bit. So uh, particularly our first reading from Proverbs, this uh, reading is in praise of wisdom, the wisdom of God. Um, and in the Old Testament, a lot of times they personify things. Wisdom, intelligence, and this is what's happening also. But with, through the lens of Christianity, I want you to relook at Proverbs and see that it's actually referring to the Holy Spirit. So even in Old Testament, we began to see these, these inklings of the Holy Spirit, and it was hard for them to understand. Uh, but I want you to go back and read uh, what a joyful, we heard that the Holy Spirit played on the face of the earth, almost like a child. And taking great joy, but we're told that the Holy Spirit took great delight in the human race. And where else have we heard that before? God the Father, I take great delight in what I have created. And we we're told that by the Son. So it's a remarkable reading. And in our second reading, Paul, uh, who knew hardship, he got beat up, he got thrown out of towns, he got thrown in prisons. They threatened to do all kinds of terrible things to kill him. And so he's telling us that it is uh, through the love of God uh, in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was able to always, with, life is tough and I'm going to keep moving. But, um, but he's telling us that Christ made possible for us a relationship of love with God. And this gives us hope and sustains us even in the midst of great suffering and uh, so, my friends, um, this past week, uh, our school children went on vacation. <laughs> they started their summer vacation. And it's good because they're all excited uh, to be on vacation, and the teachers too. And um, kind of the week was more so playtime for them rather than actual class time, which is good. However, um, I had an interesting conversation with one of the children. And uh, they said, can you tell me about God? And I'm like, did your parents put you up to this? I'm like, I mean, it's at the end of the school. I'm like, okay. And I said, so I, I really went into my theological mode, even though, because and I said, well, God, um, you know, I used all these adjectives. God is powerful and merciful and loving and on. And the child, mm-hmm. And then the child said, is God happy? And then I knew his parents put him up to this. And I said, well, I remember I'm thinking of a child. I'm like, well, I would think God is very happy. And I'm thinking, okay, think in little child mode. I'm like, first of all, God doesn't have to wait in traffic on I-5. I mean, he's happy for that. And he doesn't have to wait in line like you did for your lunch. And you can see the child looking. And I said, in, in a, um, you know, I said, and God doesn't have to pay taxes. Of course, he didn't know what that was. I'm like, he's happy because of that. And... Um, I thought that was it. <laughs> oh no. 
is God lonely? And in the moment, it is a very understandable question. And because if we went by Old Testament, that is exactly how it would seem. You see, in the Old Testament, the Israelite people, um, they are surrounded by other clans and tribes that uh, worship many gods, many gods, all different gods, gods of this and gods of that and God and God. And, um, and they worship them. And uh, my parents from Mexico, uh, there's a strong influence of the Aztec and Mayan and they had gods for everything, the god of the water, the god of the corn, the god of the cloud, the god of the tree, the god of everything. And they all hung around together. They were all buddies. But this is not true of the Israelites. God revealed himself as one Lord, one God. And, and this is wonderful. It was blessed that they were, uh, that God would reveal this. But you could see where uh, when God said, there is only I and no other. So you could see how, at least for the Israelites, God would have seemed very far away and that God was very aloof. Um, and then maybe in this, God might be lonely in his majesty because there is only he. But then comes Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And Jesus gives us a fuller picture of God. Becoming incarnate and entering into our human history, the Son of God tells us, I am his begotten Son, and he is my Father. That alone tells us something. God is a parent. He's a Father. Jesus said he's a Father. And we know that God possesses all things, all of life, all of creation. And in Jesus' statement, we then find out that God shares his life with another, his divine son. But it doesn't stop there. Because then we're informed about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says he, not it, not a bird, he is coming. And in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit unites the Father and the Divine Son in the eternal bond of love. The third person, the Holy Trinity. And so God is not lonely. God is not alone. He lives in absolute splendid life of mutual love and unity. God's happiness is that he is family. This is the most telling thing about Jesus, what he said. God is Father. Oh, and the Holy Spirit is coming. They're a family. <laughs> They're a unit. My friends, uh, Deacon Dale did baptisms on Saturday, and uh, when I see young parents with joys of tears in their eyes, at a baptism, that feeling. I know that God is happy, for he is a parent also. When I observe mothers and fathers, um, 
they have joy in their eyes when their child is going to receive first Eucharist. And I know there's all kinds of other things. There's parties and gifts and stuff. But when the parent is here and the child is to receive the Eucharist for the very first time, and some of them cry with joy, I know that God is happy because he is a father. When one hears parents boast of their child's graduation, <laughs> with honors, by the way, father, one said, <laughs> that's a proud parent. Um, I know that God, who is a parent also, is happy. Now, my friends, of course, children, when they are very young, believe that their parents can do anything, and they are without fault. They make no mistakes. But then as they grow up, they learn <laughs> that their parents, as the old saying goes, are only human, and they have faults. From the parents' side, parents find it challenging when their children are struggling with many things, especially teenage years and adolescence. And then parents discover that their children can break their hearts sometimes. But this is not so with the Holy Trinity. They are the model to which all families aspire to be. The Holy Spirit, um, the third person, unites the Father and the Son in a never-ending and never-failing relationship of perfect devotion, of perfect love, of perfect unity. We know this because the Father himself has spoken. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A father boasting. <laughs> A father who's happy. And his son revealed to the world that God is not far from us. And Jesus made it possible for us to be drawn into the happy life of God. Into the very life. We are privileged to share Jesus' relationship to his Father. The Sunday we, the church, celebrate the solemnity of the most holy trinity. It is the reality of a happy God whose life and love we are able to share in and to be very much a part of. And each one of you must come to understand and believe this because until one understands this about God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God will always seem remote to that person. God may even appear to be unfriendly and uncaring and thus unhappy. One God, three persons. A God that is with us and that is in us, according to the very words of his Son. And yet, a God who is utterly beyond our complete understanding. This is a great mystery. It's a great mystery of love. In the end, the mystery of the Holy Trinity is not something to argue about. And it's not something just to entertain intellectually, which I did for many years. The Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father, the Holy Trinity is something we pray about and it is something we are to experience. You experience faith. You experience the Father. You experience the Son. You are to experience the Holy Spirit. 
not just to think about it. Each Christian lives in a world of the Holy Trinity, for God created all things. This world that I speak of about the Holy Trinity is not somewhere off in some far galaxy, but it is the same world that you and I live in every day in the here and now. And it is a place where God manifests himself to us always. So finally, I was able to tell the child, God is happy. And then I prayed that the child would not ask me any more questions <laughs> because I was out of answers. <laughs> and as I said last night, out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> My friends, the Blessed Trinity is the principal truth of the Christian faith. There are three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God. Not a hierarchy of gods, but three co-equal in their divinity. Each of the three persons possesses the same essence. Each is distinct from the other. However, without division and united in all things. <laughs> something to be pondered and something we will not fully understand until we reach the gates of heaven. But until then, we experience that which we cannot see.